Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. I could just give you an illustration after illustration of how the antagonism comes. I know when Diane and I really got serious with God. <laughs> now you notice that this peacemaker verse comes after the one that says, Blessed are the pure in heart. I think we pretty well covered that this morning, that that's a, a consistent thing. That's choosing to line your actions up with your nature. When Diane and I really got serious with God, God got serious with us. You know what? I found that out. If you're really serious with the Lord, He'll get serious with you. You know why He doesn't ever do something in our life sometimes when we cry all the tears that we cry? Because He knows we're not serious. But when you really get serious, God's going to get serious with you, and He did with us. And all of a sudden, He changed our life. And the first thing that happened to me was one of my good friends who is in the ministry, folks. And he's in a church. He's pastor of a church. And that friend of mine came to me and said, Wayne, you're crazy. You're way out there in left field. He started labeling me. And that's what always happens. Isn't it fun? They call you charismatic. Let's see. Holiness. You, may, you name it, they'll think of something to call you. Because you see, they see in you that which comes against what they represent. And in order to build themselves up, they've got to tear you down. That's that antagonism God said is going to happen when you have peace made with God. You're at war with the world. It's good for us to understand. Why are churches sometimes not in harmony with one another? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you see, there are some people in churches who are cooperating with God and there are some people in churches who just flat aren't and they're not about to. Now, how can those people fit together? They can't. That's why you see disunity and disharmony. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this whole congregation is bring people not into a relationship with each other, but into a peace relationship with God. And when you cooperate with Him, friend, you can cooperate with each other. That's what He means. We must be at peace. How do we get at peace? It's not me coming to you and asking you to forgive me. Oh, that's part of it. It's you getting on your face before God and cooperating with Him. It's me getting on my face before God and cooperating with Him. And what happened? Well, we fit. <laughs> oh, do we fit. Like a body. I believe we've been talking about that in recent days. That's how the body works. You can't do it any other way. If there's disharmony, there's people who are not cooperating with God. Period. Period. As long as we stand for Him and His Word. Well, how did they establish that peace? Now, I jumped a page. You ever done that, Elsie? Just turned two pages at one time. <laughs> I was preaching one night, and I had all my notes up here on top. And when I first started preaching, and I had them all together, and I went to turn a page, and they all fell off on the back of the book. And so I reached down and picked them up. When I picked them up, I put page 5 and page 6 after page 2. And I noticed that the sermon was real short that night. You know, it just seemed like I just got into it. And all of a sudden, I was given the invitation, and I knew something was wrong. And then I flipped over, and that was the, the center of the message. Well, hang on, I just got back to where I was. All right. When you start walking in peace with God, with a pure heart, it's exactly what it's going to take. When you're pure in heart, that's when you're in peace with God. Watch what's going to happen in your life. Friend, the world is going to think you're a court low or your dipstick doesn't quite touch your oil or something. They're going to look at you that way. They're going to treat you that way. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to scoff at you. My friend, praise God. Just praise Him all the way. I'd, I'd just soon have them laugh at me knowing that I'm walking the right direction, wouldn't you? When you're at peace with God. Now, that's the definition of peace. It's joining together, fit together in cooperation with, balance in your life. When one cooperating with the other. It's not this feeble little meek word of 
just laying back and just everybody just being sweet to your brother. That's not peace. Peace, as a matter of fact, is more like meekness. And it has a lot of action to it. But it means being in cooperation with God, fitting together with Him. All right. So we see the definition of the word peace. Now let's look at the classification of a peacemaker because it sort of builds on each other. First of all, the definite article is used here. Now he's speaking of a particular type of peacemaker. Forget the Alexander Hagues and the Henry Kissingers. That's not what he's talking about. And you nor I will ever see this world until Jesus establishes it, be at peace with one another. We will not see that. God has His own timetable. He will bring it Himself. But you see, we can give peace with other men with their God. You see, that's what it is to be a minister of reconciliation. To go out and get another man's hand, put it in the hand of God, and see peace made with those two individuals. Now that's real peace. That's what a real peacemaker is. It's not one who sits at the table of nations and tries to bring harmony to individuals. But it's the person who seeks to get a man in touch with his God. And the two of them, cooperating with each other, produces real peace. So, the blessed are the peacemakers. Now, the word peace is tagged with the word praso, P-R-A-S-S-O in the Greek, peacemakers. Now, that word means this. It does not refer to those who attempt to make peace, but it refers to those who have established peace. The attempts don't count here. Peacemakers, those who have brought peace into being in people's hearts and lives. The job is not finished until we see the peace with man and the peace with God. Well, how do they establish it? How do you and I go out in the world to establish peace? Well, again, we come back to the sword. I want you to see this correlation. It runs all through this. War and peace, war and peace, peace and the sword, peace and the sword. Watch. We do it the same way. We establish peace with the sword. By when we live the Word of God, which is His sword, and we speak the Word of God, which is His sword, it does a definite work. Look in Acts chapter 2. This is what pierces people. It's not the fact that you've changed. It's not the fact that you're different. It's God's Word lived in you and spoken through you that pierces them to the quick. And they reject Christ, not you. That's why we have the persecution we have in this world. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Oh, Peter had just finished preaching and watch what happened to them. Because they had heard the Word of God. Look what it says. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. You see what the sword does? And said unto Peter and the rest of the disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Look, look in Acts 16 and verse 30. Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And this was a jailer. Remember the jailer was worried because the prison doors were opened when Paul and Silas had been singing. And look at what he says in verse 30. He sees all of this. He's under unreal conviction. He says, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What was it that pricked him? It was the life of these men. Old Paul said, don't worry about everything. We're still here. And the message of their songs and their singing and the word had pricked this jailer and he came to a place of wanting that peace with God. The sword is God's scalpel. It's his word which cuts to heal. It cuts to heal. Some people can't take the cutting. Therefore, they have to turn against you. That's that warfare that it initiates. There's some people who don't want to turn loose of this world. I sat with a young nurse one night. She's 26 years old. Beautiful girl. And I sat with her, a friend of mine, they were a married couple, asked me to come over and speak with her. She was not a Christian. And I sat down with her and went through the plan of salvation and did everything I knew to share with her how she could have peace made with God. And she looked at me with a smile on her face 
absolutely unmoved, absolutely untouched. And she said to me, Preacher, I'm having a good time doing what I'm doing. I don't want to turn loose of it. And I could not believe that somebody could reject having peace made with God. But you see, there are some people who, who do reject it. And those are the ones who are antagonistic to you and I when we live it and when we speak it. And it was pricked in the hearts of these people that came to know the Lord. The sword does three things. It opens the depths of man's sin. Cuts him right to the quick. Why do you think they got us so mad at Jesus when He was on this earth? Because He didn't deal with their religion. He dealt with their hearts. He dealt with where man really was. That's why they couldn't take Him. It opens the depths of man's sin. Secondly, it calls us to lifelong warfare. I'm sorry, folks. But when you're a peacemaker, you're in war till the day you die. Till the day you die, you're going to see war caused by the peace that's been made with you and God. And the third thing is it lets us know that we're called to living on a higher plane. So a real peacemaker is one, first of all, who has had peace in his heart established with God. He's a man who's pure in heart, who's lined his actions up with his nature. He's a man who's out wanting to establish peace in the hearts of others with his God. That's a peacemaker. That's what we're here for. Go ye therefore, Jesus said in Matthew 28. So a real peacemaker is one then who establishes the peace of God with the peace of man in the hearts of man. All right. The third thing I want us to see is the, the identification of a peacemaker. What's he called? What's going to happen when we start doing this? Now, we're going to receive persecution, affliction, everything else. But what's going to happen? Let's go back to Matthew in chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the what? The children of God. And we saw this morning that God was our Father, didn't we? They shall be called the children of God. There are two words for children in the, in the Greek. One is technon. Technon refers to the relationship itself. And the word used here is huios, and that word refers to the dignity and character of the relationship, the privilege of that relationship. And it's such a beautiful word. It's not just speaking of the relationship itself, but the dignity and character, the privilege of that relationship. We are called children of God. We're living in the privileges of what God says are ours because we're pure in heart, we've had peace made with Him, and we seek to see men have peace made. With, with our God. Well, first of all, we're called by children of God by God Himself. And that was the verse we looked at this morning. We see God as Father. He calls us children. That's good. Now, friend, a lot of men can call me a child or whatever, but when God calls me His child, that's exciting. He calls us children Himself. And our spirit cries out, Abba, Father, within us. But secondly, once you're a child of somebody, the family likeness usually is recognizable. And the world starts seeing something different about you and I. You know, it says the Christians were first called Christians, or the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. It didn't say they called themselves. And they didn't take a contest to name that person, you know, type thing, and give a prize for the best name. But the people called them Christian. Why? Because the word means little Christ. The family likeness was showing through. And you see, they were seen and called and known as children of God. There's no definite article here with God. You say, now wait, why do you keep bringing up the definite article? It's very important. When the definite article is there, it identifies. If it was there, it would mean that you could only be called a child of God if you went out and made peace with man and God. That's not what he's saying. But there's no definite article. And when the definite article is not there, it doesn't identify, it qualifies. Everything that God is, 
becomes a part of man's nature. Now listen, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 will help you there. For the fruit of the Spirit is love and peace and joy and all those good things. Peace is listed right up there in the front of it. And you see all this begins to be made manifest. And people look at us and say, hey, you know what? There must be a God around here somewhere. Nobody could live like they're living. There must be a God around here somewhere. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Beautiful verse. It says so much. Talking about being children of God. Let's look at verse 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, God calls us that first. And secondly, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Jesus is the first national bank of heaven. God's put everything he is into Christ. And where's Christ? He's in me. And I'm a joint heir with him. All of God is available to me in Christ. And my friend, peace is being jointly fitted together with God in cooperation with him. A peacemaker is one who goes out and seeks to see men that he works with, women that that she works with, that he goes out to seek these people that they might have the same peace in their hearts. He firmly establishes it in other people's lives. And he's called a child of God. For they shall be called children of God. The Spirit calls us children first. But then the world begins to see the family likeness. Well, I trust tonight that you're a peacemaker. That you're one who has peace with God. Well, Wayne, how do I know if i got peace with God? <laughs> well, i tell you what, if you're going to have to ask that, you ain't got it. <laughs> That's the only way I can say it. If you don't know you got peace with God, friend, you need to come tonight. Evidently, your heart's not pure in the sense of your walking, lining up your actions with your nature. Maybe you've just decided that you like a little bit more of this world than what God tells, tells you He likes you to like. For that reason, there's no more peace. You're not walking in cooperation with God. Friend, we can preach it over and over again, but it comes to a place where you're going to have to make the decision. Do you want to walk in that peace? Do you want to be a peacemaker? It's going to cost you, and you will suffer with Him. But you'll be glorified with Him. <laughs> That's the last part of the verse. You see, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. The specific peacemaker of God, that's who he's talking about. Sorry, Henry (laughs) Kissinger. He's not going to make it. We are the peacemakers of God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org. 